Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. 13 minutes after 10 p.m. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being with us this evening. Really, really do appreciate it. 7,000, nearly at least 7,000 police officers having committed crime uh, and 10% of them having been convicted uh, of crime. What does it tell us about the integrity of our police force? Is, is, does it tell us that we clearly are uh, a country incapable of uh, attracting and uh, retaining police officers of integrity? Or is it telling us that the system is so good that it weeds out continuously police officers without integrity um, and who are themselves criminals? Uh, Mary, Hass, Mary, Mary Dahas is my guest this evening. Uh, she's an independent researcher and violence monitor. Mary, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really do appreciate it. Welcome to Night Talk. Uh, good evening, uh, Oliver and list- listeners. Let's let's start there before we get to Minister Betele's claims around whether or not civil society, academia, and and the media stands in the way of his good work. Uh, we we have to address mm. that question around whether or not we are able to attract a police force or personnel into our police force that have integrity. It's shocking to me that seven thousand have been charged of certain crimes and ten percent of them having been convicted. What does that tell us about the integrity of our police force? Well, it tells you it's probably the tip of the iceberg, but you see, the problem is that you actually have a, you still have a lot of very good police members, but we're shedding them because of corrupt management and nepotism in the police. I mean, right now we're looking at a class action for police who have been completely illegally dismissed. We have the former president of Salpu dismissed because he dared to write a letter saying that the former national commissioner, Satole, had been illegally, had been irregularly appointed. And he was dismissed illegally because he, he was, he'd been beaten up by the, he was even beaten up by the police. Now, this is a man who was a lieutenant colonel, president of Sapu, which is a major police union, and this happens to him. And it's happening to a lot of other policemen who just don't go with corruption or whose jobs are coveted by uh, friends or lovers of management members. I can't tell you how corrupt this police is. And good police, we are so lucky to have so many good police still risking their lives because everywhere I go, there is corruption. And let me tell you that the recruits last year, we had a Patricia Mashala, the whistleblower, had worked with people, including reservists, compiled a list of applicants that had sent in, they'd passed their tests. Some of them were excluded because others had bought their positions. And mm. trained as police. So, so you see, it's not either or. There's a lot of good police there. It's the management that's the problem. So let's talk about management. What's going wrong there? Are they incompetent or are they incompetent and inept? Or are they a management um, just conforming to a culture of corruption that we see around uh, across our state apparatus? Yeah, they're part of that whole captured. You see, you must understand that the police have been heavily politicized, uh, particularly since 2009. I mean, if you look at the national, I can tell you right now, the national commissioner is battling to exert his authority. He's the accounting officer. He's responsible 
But he's being sidelined because the minister is running the police operationally. The minister has appointed two deputies, both of whom are are not fit for the jobs. They don't have the qualifications. One is the head of crime intelligence, and the other is the is 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 the minister's long-serving, inexperienced legal advisor heading legal services. The other deputies are appointments from the Zuma Ace Magashula. Most of them are from Ace Magashula's Free State. They got there because the politicians approved of them because the police had been so heavily politicized. It's become just one big nepotistic network. Now, the current national commissioner is a well-trained policeman, and he's finding it really difficult to exert his authority because clearly is undermined him and giving instructions to his deputies. Yeah, uh, to that, uh, it, 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 for that pattern to hold that the police is the police force and its management are remnants of a Jacob Zuma era, um, you know, exerting influence from an Ace Marashule political faction. For that to hold true, Fani Mas- Masimola would never have been appointed, then that would be the case, because it seems to me that Ketla Sitole was quite literally a Jacob Zuma henchman who now no longer is police commissioner uh, due to a irreconcilable and irrecoverable breakdown in relations between uh, Ketla Sitole and, and Begi Tele. How then do we reconcile that and, and, and how then do you, on the evidence of that, uh, sustain the view that uh, the police force is undermined um, by the minister not having faith or at least subverting the police commissioner? No, look, there's two things here. You must understand, Masamola is one of the very few members in management who was properly trained. He was a member of the former uh, former SAPS. Now, if you go back to pre-94, black policemen were trained exactly as white policemen were. They were just trained to be in black areas, but they they were properly trained. A lot of these police were homeland police. They were Kwakwa, they were they were Kwandabeli, they were KwaZulu, and let me tell you, they were mainly political recruits, badly trained, badly qualified. So they were all integrated. Masamola was a well-trained policeman. He was on an officer's course before '94, right? So he works his way up the ranks, and then he does. At one stage, he is a deputy national commissioner about the time that clearly was commissioner, right? So he has all this experience in the background, you say. Okay, so he gets up to be a deputy national commissioner and fairly low-key, you know, not particularly impressive and standing out for good work. But it then turns so, – but he was the person, because he had a long – he'd been in KZN when the minister – was MEC here and I think the minister thought well here we are we've got someone I've worked with we'll have him as commissioner now what happened was exactly the same as what happened with Satoli that well he's national commissioner and he feels a responsibility so he it's his job to give instructions I mean you've only got to read the police act to believe me you see about the role of the commissioner you see I think what people in South Africa must understand is that these ministers and clearly is leading them but he's not the only minister are behaving unconstitutionally if you look at the constitution the role of ministers is to devise 
policy, make sure it's implemented in collaboration with their fellow cabinet members, yeah. members right? They don't operate. They're not supposed to engage operationally. If you look at the Constitution, you, you're you not allowed. The public service has got to be non-political. Now, a minister is, mm. by his appointment, a representative of political party. The late Jim Peterson conceded in one of her letters, well, no, we didn't know he was doing this operation. I mean, that's the political killings task team. Imagine this, reporting to the minister whose colleagues are the suspects in killing politicians in KZN. It's completely unconstitutional. And this is the problem. And I mean, it's all part of the same problem that you've got heavily politicized policing, you've got incompetence, you've got nepotism and appointments, yeah. you've got the targeting of good police. So how, that's why it's a mess. How then do you depoliticize uh, the police force? the police service, at least. You could do. I mean, you could do that if, if there was a political will. Look, this policy out there, this policy, very good policy that was formulated by, um, first of all, there was the policy devised. You remember the Marikana massacre? There was a, a, a team of experts uh, appointed um, including police, former senior police and people who've got a lot of policing research experience. And they, they developed some really good policy about you have to get a policing board. That's the first thing you do. A policing you implement board? the policy. But Did you say a police? board, independent okay. policing board, to, to actually appoint people to the senior levels. It's, 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 there's a whole model there, which is a very good model, but there's no political will to implement it. That yeah. would stop the nepotism, you see. Yeah. Give us a call. I'd love to hear from you. 86 The question then is, what would the board do? It would obviously, as a board suggests, be responsible for governance in policing. But... What then well, becomes no, it of... wouldn't govern. It wouldn't govern. It would just be part of the selection of senior management, appropriate management people. It would oversee it to make sure. Look, there are procedures laid out in legislation and police regulations about how you appoint people. But the problem is if it's left to the very people who are political appointees, there's going to be more political appointees. So, I mean, this was using models from other countries. I mean, IPID is a classic example. IPID is supposed to be an independent directorate. Six or seven years ago, Concord said it had to be independent. Parliament has still not passed the legislation. Right now, IPID is, a, is accused of very serious um Defeating the ends of justice. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, the examples are there. I won't go into them now, but they're in the letter that's gone to Parliament. Now, who investigates IPID? Because IPID itself should be reporting to an independent body. You've only got to look at the way they do things in Europe and other countries. You don't, a minister does not appoint the oversight body into policing. You mm. see how you. It's easy to do, but there's just no political will. What are the your your earlier claim was that the minister is interfering in the operations of policing? Obviously, he shouldn't be doing that. He's not the police commissioner. But he's doing it 
at yeah, the jets. Look yeah, at so the, the question is, hold on, Mary. So the question is this. What is the evidence to which we can look to that suggests that the minister is interfering in the operations? Is it related uh, as you mentioned earlier, giving instructions to the deputy police commissioners and the head of crime intelligence. And if so, what would those instructions be that the minister seems to be issuing? Okay, look, there's a, let's, let's go back. Let, let's just use one example because it's in the public arena. It is the, um, it, it's the, uh, the protected disclosure of a former deputy minister where she suspended Vuma. Okay. She's a senior policewoman. She's been suspended on the instructions of clearly. If you look at her protected disclosure, she was getting targeted because she was being told that she, and these instructions, this is now her sworn statement, right? Uh, her instructions came that the minister, through his favoured people, were saying that why are you not getting, why are you not approving a contract for X, Y, or Z? In other words, yeah. it was interference in tender processes. This is a rumour's protected disclosure. So, and she was investigating irregular expenditure by clearly flying off here, flying off there, flying off everywhere. We've only got to look at the expenses he runs off. Look at him at the crime scenes, saying, well, so-and-so will admit. It's not his job. I mean, this is, it's just so patently obvious. Mm. But who do, who's, who's dealing with this? There is no one to deal with it. He appoints the civilian secretariat, and they're a waste of money. All they do is produce bad legislation that has to be sent back. He appoints the head of IPIT, and he's not supposed to. Concord, six years ago, Parliament's in contempt of Concord. They mm. ordered independence for IPED. Mm, mm. Give us a call, 086-000-2032, would love to hear from you on this. So at what point does management need to then get fixed? At the middle level, that is to say, we're talking here about uh, regional commanders, we're talking about your station commanders, or at the national and provincial level, uh, where it is a provincial commissioner and the office pertaining to that, or the national commissioner and the office pertaining to that. Where along the value chain uh, are we getting it wrong? Right the way through, I'd say, because look, I mean, in terms of provincial management it has to be approved when you produce uh, the um, provincial commissioner appointment has to be approved by the governing party in a in a province but in almost all provinces um, they of course are the same party although I must tell you with all the hoo-ha about the K things aren't much better there either despite there being another political party in control and saying well we we want more powers for policing and I'm not sure why because there's already Already quite a few provincial powers, you know, in terms yeah. of appointments within provinces. So, so I mean, it's at all levels, but obviously it starts at the top. And I mean, if you look at the way people are rapidly promoted, I mean, you know, about three years ago, you take Omalo, who's the head of crime intelligence, who's got no intelligence uh, background at all. He's always been operational response. He created so many problems in operational response about five years ago. 
know, four or five years ago, where he was a brigadier. He was quickly shunted off to the political killing stars team. He's now a lieutenant colonel. He's been promoted the space of about four years from a brigadier to a full colonel. I mean, you know, this is the way it goes. You look at these people and you'll see they get to the top levels because of who they know and what they know and who they're related to. It's crazy. And right now, I mean, if you look at what happened in July 21, you look at all that, all those investigations into why was there no intelligence? Well, I can tell you it's worse now. The money for crime intelligence has disappeared. Nobody knows where. There was a go slow because yeah. there were no vehicles. There was no money to pay informers, to pay safe houses. People think it's been siphoned off for the elections. It's missing. It's missing. And the only people that can investigate that because it's a secret service fund. And I mean, this is a repeat of what played out at the Zonda Commission. It's a secret service fund. Who's going to investigate it? Well, it's the poor. The only people I think are the Office of the Inspector General of Intelligence, because, you know, the ordinary auditor can't go in and look at secret service funds. But basically what I'm saying to you is nothing has changed since the Zonda Commission. Mm-hmm. Mary, thank you so much for your time this evening. We're going to have to leave it there. Really, really do appreciate it. Okay. Uh, Mary Dahas, Independent Research and Violence Monitor. Give me a call. I'm taking your reactions to that. The number to dial is 086-000-2032. 086-000-2032. I'm taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. 104 Let's take a quick break.